Welcome to a new edition of the Neon Jazz Interview Series with veteran jazz saxophonist Dave Goldberg. We dig into his newest 2023 CD, The Other Side, a trio with organist Joe Bag and drummer Adam Nussbaum. We also get into his life of jazz, stellar live shows he's caught, what he teaches the youth, and so much more. Enjoy. Hey, thanks for taking a minute out for the show. I appreciate it. Sure. So before we get into The Other Side, what I'd like to know is, how did you do, how did you survive the last three years with COVID, you know, it did its thing on the musicians and in, in the community. How did you get through it? And how good does it feel to have an album out now? <laughs> yeah. COVID was interesting for jazz musicians because, um, you know, our music, like we need to relate to other mu- musicians in a live setting. And without that, like it's, uh, I don't know. It, it, you start to feel a little bit lost, you know? So, I think pretty much we all kind of dealt with that. You saw a lot of people doing, trying to do stuff over Zoom or, um, and, uh, but it was also a time for creativity for a lot of people. Um, and that could almost become overwhelming too, because like, you know, I, I'd be on social media and like, you know, this person's writing a symphony and this person's writing big band charts and, and then something becomes overwhelming of like, well, I got to do some big project while I have all this time on my hands. And, um, yeah, so I found myself like kind of more reflecting back into uh you know, why I fell in love with this music in the beginning, you know, when I was in my teens and early 20s and I just spent a lot of time actually going back and listening to all the old albums I love and playing along with them and then there was that kind of uh that kind of helped me through it, man. It just it felt like I was just part of this big lineage of um all the great musicians. And uh, so I spent a lot of time just playing standards, actually. And I did some writing, but uh, like I said, I, I kind of found that a little bit heavy just like in terms of um, like this pressure to produce some major work at the end of on the other side of this, um, which kind of led me to the title of, you know, everything was, when we get on the other side of this, we'll do blah, 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 you know. And uh, family-wise, I was pretty cool. I mean, it was I got a lot of time to spend with my daughter, who is starting ninth grade. So that's kind of cool because, I mean, there's at that age, usually teens are kind of pulling away, and we spend a lot of quality time. So I, I was lucky that I wasn't isolated from that point of view. I know a lot of musicians who were, like, you know, really by themselves, and uh, that was tough. But, um, yeah, so, I mean, you know, I spent a lot of time practicing. We released some, like, solo, like, videos of me playing through some tunes and um, – which was like really regular at, at one point, And then I was just like, all right, I'm kind of bored of doing that. <laughs> so, but yeah, it was a lot of introspection, which I'm sure a lot of musicians, that's probably how they'd answer that, that question. And then, uh, then when they did get on the other side of it, you know, they, um, um, you're seeing lots of work, you know, out there now, everything from like solo works to, you know, there's all this, this music available, which is great. So, so talk to me a little bit about, you know, you kind of touched on how you constructed this project, but kind of get into it a little bit more, how it all came together, and just overall, you know, kind of what's the reception been? Yeah, so when I, I'm from South Florida originally, and I moved out to Los Angeles about 20 years ago. One of the first musicians I met out here was uh, an organ player named Joe Bag, and um, first time I met him, he was lugging a Hammond B3, like, up a flight of stairs just to do, like, a $75 gig, and I thought, okay, I've moved to the right place. <laughs> this is, uh, these, these are great musicians that are really hungry to play. They want to play. And uh, anyway, he's a fabulous musician, and so I had recorded with him, 
And I've also recorded with Adam Nussbaum earlier. And uh, like I said, I was, you know, spent a lot of those few years during COVID listening to albums that I really fell in love with. And during the 90s, I listened to an album that was a Jerry Bergonzi record. There's actually four of them, I think, with Dan Wall on organ and Adam Nussbaum on drums. And so I was going back and listening to that and playing along with it. And, uh, and I thought, you know, maybe that's what I just want to do. I just want to, like, play some of my originals with that same kind of, you know, like, vibe. Um, so I called up Adam, and uh, he'd never played with Joe Bag before, but I really like putting musicians together who I know are going to work well for the first time. You put them together in the studio. We did do one little quick rehearsal, but um, for the most part, you put two great musicians together, and it's going to work out. And uh, you get like kind of a really great creative energy that you can capture. That first moment when everyone plays and everyone looks around and goes, yeah, it's going to be great, you know. Um, so, yeah, it was fun to work with both of them. Um, most of the tunes are originals. I did, um, I did one cover of uh, Danny Boy, which I did a reharmonization of. Um, that was kind of, that was interesting. Um, yeah, and I've been getting a pretty good response with it. I mean, you know, most of my writing, um, to me, melody is very important. Um, so I think people can kind of listen to it the first time and get it right away. It's not something that uh, takes several listens to process. But, of course, with, you know, those great musicians, you know, there's plenty to dig into <laughs> in terms of how they're going about, you know, navigating the compositions. So talk to me a little bit about how this journey into being a musician began for you and some early jazz influences. Um, yeah, so I grew up in South Florida. My there was always music in the house going on, mostly classical. Um, my stepfather was really into, like, Dixieland, New Orleans jazz. Um, and my first teacher was an older teacher, and he was kind of from the big band era. Um, so from then, I kind of got, like, a nice foundation of, of you, know, you know, here's Louis Armstrong, and, uh, you know, here's, like, Benny Carter and jo Johnny Hodges, you know. Um, but being a kid, obviously, I was drawn to, like, newer players as well. And at that point, um, you know, listening to like pop music in the mid eighties, like it wasn't that hard to um, make a jump to like, like fusion groups like Spyrogyra and, uh, um, or like, you know, I was into David Sanborn, you know, all the popular guys at that point. Um, and then there was a kid who lived down the street from me, who's about four years older than me, a fabulous saxophone player named, Joel Siegel, and, uh, you know, me looking up to him and being, like, uh, finishing high school while I was kind of in middle school, you know, he, he handed me, like, a Miles Davis record of uh, Round About Midnight, and I remember just staring at the cover and just being mesmerized by this guy, uh, you know, he just looks so cool with his glasses and just, just has a vibe to it, and, of course, you hear the first notice is trumpet um, on Round About Midnight, man, it's just amazing, so... <clears throat> Yeah, and then I was kind of hooked, you know, and I started working backwards, you know. I was like, all right, I just see who Coltrane is and who Miles is and who Bird is, and um, then it all opened up from there. So what was the first live jazz show that blew you away? Well, I definitely saw Michael Brecker in, like, 87 on his first tour, and Adam Nussbaum was actually playing on that, so which is kind of interesting for it to come full circle for to be playing with somebody who played with one of my heroes, you know. Yeah. Um, I did get a chance to see Miles. Um, that was pretty cool. I saw Dizzy Gillespie. 
So I've been kind of lucky where I got to see a lot of the masters. Um, and that's always been important to me. You know, just like this last week, I made sure I went to the Hollywood Bowl. Herbie Hancock was there um, with Ron Carter. And, I mean, it was like a whole bunch of people doing uh, a tribute to Wayne Shorter. You know, and, and I dragged a bunch of my students. I'm like, no, you got to go see Herbie. You know, you'll, you'll thank me later, you know. So, yeah, again, that connection to the history is uh, is pretty amazing, you know. It sure is, yeah. Yeah. Well, what what is, you know, this process of being an educator and, and a recording artist and a live performer, what is it that you like the best about being a professional musician? Um, just always playing with other new musicians and, uh, and being able to, um, like, you know, try to impart that passion on my students. Um, you know, I, I teach mostly privately, and a lot of the kids, are kind of like middle school to high school age. And I get a few that stay on after college, you know, and, and a few adults. But I can really relate to how it was for me back then, having kind of a mentor going, hey, check this album out. And here's what you need to listen to off of this record. You know, because a lot of times we'll say, go listen to Kind of Blue. You know, and the kid's like, oh, okay. But, like, you know, you need to be specific. Like, here's what you should check out on Kind of Blue or, and why this is important. Or, or, like, you know, listen to how – you know, each of their solos are completely different, even though it's the same material, you know. Little things like that that um, I think that sometimes, like, you know, beginning listeners don't really, or musicians don't really understand. You know, they're just kind of listening overall, but they're not doing active listening, like what's happening, where are they on the form, you know. And when you can point things out like that, you see, like, the lights go on, like, oh, wow, there's a lot to this music more than just, you know, something in the background, you know, that there's really a conversation going on. So why do you love jazz? You know, it's one of the, it's probably the only music where you, you can get four musicians that never met each other. And as long as everybody's competent on their instrument and you know what tune you're going to do to play together, and it can sound amazing from the very first note. Um, that's pretty unusual. I mean, you know, unfortunately in the working world, a lot of times you're doing gigs with guys that would maybe never played with before or once or twice or, um, you know, and we'll have like a great set. And people come up like, oh, you guys are great. Like, how long have you been playing together? Or, you know, I'll be like, I don't know, like an hour. <laughs> and they think we're joking. And it's like, no, no, that's true. You know, we just, you know, we've never met before or whatever. And, and you get all different ages, too. I think that's beautiful, man. You got, um, you know, when I was younger, I always made sure that if I could, I tried to get an older, more experienced musician on the gig. Because, um, again, you're tying into, um, you know, stories and history. Um, and not just verbal, just like, just listening, like when you hear someone play something a certain way, it's like, oh, yeah, I get it. You know, it doesn't even have to be talked about. Um, and sometimes when you get, like, younger musicians who only play with the same age, I think they lose out on that, that kind of lineage and that connection, you know. So speaking of being a veteran musician and the younger musicians, what is it? Now, you're at that point, you've been around enough, you've been a seasoned musician. What do you try to teach young players that you get around or your students? Um. You know, a lot about what I was just talking about. Like, a lot of times, like, active listening, you know, especially as a horn player, um, you know, just, like, when you're not playing, there's so much going on, and you need to be mentally involved with the music. Um, so that's, there's, like, a lot you can do, actually, without the instrument in your hands. Um, sometimes you'll get guys who are always, like, practice, 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 and they'll practice six hours, eight hours a day, you know. And then I once hung out with Branford Marsalis, and I asked him what advice he had. He goes, don't practice too much. And I kind of laughed it off. But, like, now I understand what he's saying. Like, you have to 
hold back just a little bit and there's a lot of experience in the world that you can tell through your music. Um, but also you can do a lot. Um, if you want to do a mental preparation, just listening to music actively, not as some stuff on the background, you know, um, just listening to how musicians respond to each other. Yeah, so I try to impart that. I mean, obviously, like, we all need the basics, you know. So, like, <laughs> it all starts with, like, you got to play your instrument. There's really never been a jazz musician alive who couldn't play the heck out of their instrument. I mean, they're all virtuosos, um, even if they choose not to use it. I mean, Count Basie, you know, like, played very simple, but that guy could play the piano, seriously. <laughs> so, you know, it, it was a choice, you know. Um, yeah, so I know we, we talk about a lot of stuff like that. So if anyone out there wants to pick up the brand new album on the other side, the other side, I, where's the best place to go? And for any live shows or anything that you've done previously, any previous work, where, where should they go? Yeah, well, you know, so it's streaming pretty much on, you know, everywhere. I mean, I do have physical copies. Um, if anyone wants a physical copy, you're welcome to go to my website, davegoldberg.com, and uh, I'll be happy to get one in your hands for sure. Um, you know, I do answer emails through there. Um, yeah, just social media. You know, I post when I'm playing here and there uh, and things that are going on. Cool. Dave, this has been great. Thank you for opening up about the project. I've loved the album. I'm looking forward to spinning it on the show. So thank you for opening up. I appreciate it. Yeah, and thank you for taking time to, uh, you know, to reach out and checking out new music and stuff. Because um, I also talk about, yeah, I, I tend to talk about that a lot too, you know, that, that you know, something called time equity, and we're competing against the entire history of the music all the time. Like on our phones, we have the whole library of jazz right there. So to yeah. get someone to take the time to, you know, hit your music and check it out, that means something. So thank you. Thanks for listening and tuning into another Neon Jazz interview, where we give you a bit of insight into the finest players and minds in New York City, Kansas City, and spots all over the world giving fans all that jazz. Thanks to Dave for his time, energy, and cool. If you want to hear more Neon Jazz interviews, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to us at YouTube and for everything Neon Jazz, go to the neonjazz.blogspot.com. Until next time, enjoy the jazz, my friends. Neon Jazz.